Welcome to the Wake the Giant broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett. Tonight I have Daniel Burton with me. We're going to be talking about prayer ministry tips, how to pray for people effectively in a ministry setting. Daniel, not all of my listeners know who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Awesome. Well, guys, uh, yep, Daniel Burton, I uh, hail from the great Southland of the Holy Ghost, Australia. I've uh, been walking with the Lord since I was 21. Um, and in the past, that's going on 17 years, this December 15th, um, had a radical encounter with the Lord uh, where I was really, uh, I was drug addicted, probably had an undiagnosed mental illness, most likely something along the lines of schizophrenia. Um, my mom prayed for me on a Sunday night, December 14th, 2003, and Jesus walked into my bedroom, kissed me on the forehead, set me completely free from drug addiction and mental illness. And I woke up December 15th, a brand new man. And uh, so since good. that, I've been in a variety of expressions and camps. I just knew I wanted to be on the front lines of the gospel. Um, in the last 17 years, I started off serving with Youth for Christ, doing uh, in-school class mentoring for a brief season. Uh, moved up to the city of Melbourne. I got involved with a community uh, church project which actually taught me a lot about and i mean this in love what not to do in terms of leadership and in terms of uh when you have broken people that don't want to get healed becoming leaders they replicate themselves and so i learned a lot through some of those experiences had the privilege of being part of a house church uh, on a government housing estate in australia amongst some beautiful people from the north horn of africa which is the mm. Sudanese, the Somali, Ethiopian, Eritreans, as well as um, people who had come out of jail, uh, some Vietnamese, some Burmese, this whole melting pot. We did house church ministry there, but had this radical trip to the Philippines in 2010, um, which forever changed my life, where I stayed with an Australian missionary by the name of Mark Petter in a slum in Manila, which was one square mile with 160,000 people on it. And uh, we, we was reading Smith Wigglesworth and, and uh, Mark mm. just spent six weeks talking about miracles and power. He had stayed with David Hogan. Uh, he had also stayed with TB Joshua before TB Joshua went off the, the rails. Um, and so he he really taught me how to pray, how to fast, how to, mm. to pursue the things of the Lord um, in terms of a lifestyle of worship and devotion. And then out of that, got exposed to a variety of different camps, um, met my beautiful wife as she was uh, had finished serving at Iris, uh, went to the school, um, came to Australia. We met. We married within four You're talking months. You about Iris, Iris Global in in Africa in Mozambique, uh, the Baker's yeah. base. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And in in between me being in the Philippines and me uh, getting married, I started to minister on the streets and started praying for healing because the Lord started speaking mm. to me about power. And so I started seeing miracles on the streets. I, you know, one of my most favorite start off ones was stalking a guy on crutches for ten minutes, umming and ahhing whether <laughs> I was going to pray for him because I didn't quite know how to approach people on the street yet. He ended up being a Macedonian Muslim, mm. prayed for his foot, not once, but twice. Um, the, he had a fractured bone from kicking somebody and I felt the bone move under my hand, took his crutches away from him and he started to walk and just <laughs> freaked out. So um, that was really, Love really that. fun. But we, when we, we actually moved uh, to America at the end of 2012. Christina and I had been married for a year. Uh, we spent a couple of months at Bethel during that period in 2013. Uh, I got my green card. And we uh, actually moved to Sacramento where I met Alan and his lovely wife, Mary Alice, at Jesus Culture Sacramento, where we all served uh, in the ministry teams. Mm. Um, and so we would serve on a Sunday night praying for the people who were lining up on a on a Sunday evening at Jesus Culture. Sometimes it was thick and, uh, thick and furious and sometimes it was sparse, but 
it was it was it was a season where we were really wanting to help people how to pray. I mean, we're going to go over to this tonight a little bit um, in terms of the 20 prayer ministry trips, uh, tips. But I started after that season, started doing itinerant ministry. I spent the last four years being in Pennsylvania, um, being on staff at Harvest Chapel, uh, where I was the director of the School of Kingdom Living, where we taught healing, the prophetic, worship, discipleship. And then more recently started teaching through the books of the Bible, uh, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Matthew and Mark this year. And so I've had this... I've been in so many different theological camps in my 17 years. I've been amongst angry activists. I've been amongst house churches. I've been amongst the charismatics. I've been amongst missionaries. So I've got this, I've kind of got this palette of experience that's given me different aspects of how the body of Christ is impacting the world, um, how, what each different tribe has Mm. to offer in terms of a unique facet of Christ. And one of my biggest hearts is that we would be able to start bridging some of those denominational lines and really begin to walk in John 17, where we would be one as they are one. So the world might know that Jesus, uh, that the father sent Jesus. That is the, the ultimate expression of unity. It's not false ecumenical nonsense, but it's true, authentic kingdom family being united together, knowing that we have need of one another. So that's a little bit of my history. Um, one of the things that I also did at Harvest Chapel was I um, raised up a prophetic team. We ran Harp and Bowl uh, intercession worship nights and prophetic ministry nights. So one of the um, one of the main things that I've given my my life to in the past few years is raising up healthy prophetic people and teaching the prophetic from a biblical standpoint that actually begins to give guidelines and structure and health to the mm. prophetic. It challenges the excesses that we've had um, because one of my greatest heartbeats is that we would see authentic prophets and prophetic ministry being released in the body of Christ. And because of that, we're able to navigate and discern all this prophetic fluff and nonsense that gets Mm. done in terms of quote unquote, the word of the Lord. So those, that's kind of the broad palette of the things that I've, that I've been around for the last 17 years. That's good. Yeah. Um, if, if, if it's really the ministry of Jesus, it should bring some health to the church. Absolutely. If it's done the and, way he oh, does it, did ministry and the way the early church did ministry, it should bring some health to the church. Um, some yeah. of you guys may not know me that are maybe watching this from uh, Daniel's. Um, yeah, actually, I was going to jump on that, Alan, and say it. for those of you guys who follow Centers One, um, you may not know Alan, but Alan actually has a depth of experience um all the way back those of us who are charismatically inclined um all the way back to the vineyard movement of the 1980s and he's i mean him and his wife mary alice have served the lord for decades not just for a hot second but they have been faithful in the ministry unto the gospel for i mean you guys are now like at least you know this is we're talking 80s 90s not like we're talking (laughs) multiple decades yeah I'm I'm an So Alan, like, why don't you what I, I never thought I'd be one of those it. old guys. But apparently, <laughs> you know, I I actually became a Christian when I was five. That That's was awesome. 1967, I think. I was born in 62. Wow. So I remember I remember praying on my bed. I, w- I went to a, a Bible church in in uh, at the time it was small. Now it's huge. It's one of the big mega churches in the Scottsdale area. But they were they were good Bible teachers. And I remember the the Sunday school teacher telling me uh, you know about heaven and hell. And I thought, shoot, hell, 
don't want to go don't want to go there and heaven sounds like it sounds like a good good experience i went yeah. in so i you know i prayed and invited jesus in my heart and I, I remember doing that on my bed and i think i did several times after that to make sure it stuck because <laughs> you know when you're little you, you you're but um, i never looked show. back so um i ended up going to a school called westmont in santa barbara it's a liberal arts christian college and was a, a bible major there and took greek uh, so I got a lot of my, some of my Bible training is from there. That's where I really got a heart for getting into the word. Plus the, the Bible church I grew up in, in, in Scottsdale was a, a real teaching church. So that's, that, that. that's a fundamental part of me. But then when I went to Westmont in Santa Barbara, I noticed that all the leaders that were really having an impact started going to this one church called Vineyard Santa Barbara under a guy named Jack Little. And I showed up there at one of the home groups, and I wasn't—I I, I believed in spiritual gifts, but I didn't believe that the miraculous ones were happening. But when mm-hmm. I, I got there, I saw things happen. I saw um, worship happening, intimacy like I'd never seen before. Um, I saw uh, words of knowledge happen where, where somebody would reveal something about somebody else, and it would have a major impact and shift in their life. I saw healings happen. I saw meetings where... The power of God would move, and and somebody would manifest a demon and get freed, and there would be a, a freedom on. that came to their life. I saw people saved more than I'd ever seen before. I mean, we talked about Come it, on. but I saw it happening. I saw churches planted. the The three years I was in, uh, maybe two 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 years I was in Vineyard Santa Barbara with Jack, we saw like five or six churches planted out of there, and then then I went oh, with wow. him to Florida. And we planted a bunch of churches out of that church. And then I ended up back in California, um, helped him with another church plant down in North San Diego area. And we planted churches out of that one. He's planted like over 30 churches out of his churches, well over 30. And um, awesome. so I saw, I, I was going, this is a, a, being involved with a group of people like this, it was just exciting because we were actually doing the things of the kingdom. And so uh, I, I, I was trained a lot through experience. Um, I remember my first, my first uh, uh, time on a ministry team was uh, in, in Vineyard Santa Barbara. They did a, a, a conference in, at the Channel Islands Vineyard under a guy named Steve Robbins. And get, you're going to laugh at this title. The title of the conference was Healing of the Demonized and Emotionally Damaged. Is that is we that need, an interesting for your for your first ministry team experience? <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, so I was thrown into the middle of it. You know, from the beginning, just uh, had to learn uh, as I was going along and just seeing people freed. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I uh, went to to Sacramento area uh, and was involved in some a vineyard church that left the vineyard there, and it was it was a good church. Um, and then ended up it. it uh, uh, Jesus Culture Sacramento eventually um, mm-hmm. uh, on the ministry teams there. Uh, so I had I was tra- I've been trained at Wembers churches. I actually did, I left that out. I was at uh, at John Wembers church for a while. That's where I married my my wife. So mm-hmm. a lot of vineyard experience as far as training, um, and then Jesus Culture and and other places too. Um, now I'm out with Mountain of Worship in uh, Connecticut under Danny Stain. I met him in the early vineyard. Uh, with uh, through the church plant that uh, I was involved with in Florida, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, a um, lot of a lot of ministry experience, seeing the Lord do a lot. So that kind of gives people my background. 
And um, one of the things you, you didn't mention as well is you're also a published author and you oh, wrote a book called Unsilenced about the role of women in ministry. Yep. Um, and that's, that's available on Amazon if you're interested in learning about that area. Um, because the, the group of people I was with, um, they, they believed that women should minister but didn't realize that they could teach or do um, anything pastorally or those kinds of things. And um, mm -hmm. Vineyard was kind of a hybrid between that position that I grew up in. And they, they at the time when I was involved with the Vineyard, they thought women could do everything but be senior pastor because they knew that women could teach that uh, was an obvious gift and, you know, do a lot of the other things. And then recently the vineyard actually probably within the last 10, 15 years, they do release women as, as pastors. But, um, uh, I, I had to mine that out because I wanted to be biblical. I didn't want just because the churches I was involved with taught, taught that women could, could preach and teach and do those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know that, that it was, that scripture allowed it. So I spent six yeah. years researching it. So that's a really wow. uh, unsilenced giving a voice to women, silenced by ignorance. It's very well written, very well researched, a lot of biblical stuff, cultural stuff. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I don't want to get off on that because that's a different topic. Well, but, I have a copy of it that you signed and gave to me back in oh. Sacramento. So, Oh, there you go. Cool. I'll put that on eBay later for whoever wants to bid on it. <laughs> yeah, you get a 50 cents for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, so we want to talk about uh, prayer ministry uh, effectiveness and tips. How do you pray for people and 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 see effective in your ministry? Um, and I want to start out by first talking about a scripture, talking over the scriptural basis for that. Yeah. And I'm gonna. Um, so um, and and this is really important. Okay, you need to get this. The reason why it's important is because when you look at scriptures and, and the scriptural basis for kingdom ministry, you will realize that it's not just something that's arbitrary. Well, yeah, you could just pray for people if you felt like it. It's one of the gifts, and, and, and you, could, you could participate in that if you want to. It's much mm -hmm. more than that because it was an essential part of Jesus's ministry. He Absolutely. gave it away to the 12. He gave that ministry to the 72. And then he also commands the church to participate in kingdom ministry. Mm-hmm. In ministry of power, Absolutely. Luke four. Um, that is, um, I'm going to go there. I'm just going to put it. I have a for you guys that are kind of watching. I'm just typing it into my computer here, and I'm going to pull it up so I can read it. Um, so Luke four eighteen through twenty one, and this is. It's right after, this takes place in Luke. It's the beginning of, of Luke. It's not far after um, Jesus went, was in the wilderness, went out to the wilderness, and mm -hmm. he was tempted. So he, he, mm -hmm. it's right when he starts his public ministry. So this, in a mm -hmm. sense, is Jesus' declaration of purpose. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, he's, it's him. He's, he's starting his public ministry. He's saying, this is what I am about. Okay? Mm -hmm. So... Um, he, uh, he came to Nazareth, Nazareth, this is uh, 416, um, where he had been brought up. As it was custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach 
the gospel to the poor. He has set me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And if you go to that passage, it's a messianic passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, today this scripture is a f- uh, a fulfilled in your hearing. He handed the book back to the attendant, sat down and said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, so he's saying this is what I'm I think that's the first recorded about. mic drop in history. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it was almost like that. I think that's the first like recorded that. mic drop in history. Yeah. Um, and so uh, basically what Jesus, it's a, it's a messianic passage. If you go back to, mm-hmm. I think it's Isaiah. book. Of, yeah, book of mm-hmm. Isaiah. And uh, there's more in there actually than Jesus indicates in the, in that in verse 18 and, and 19. Um, but mm-hmm. it, uh, basically, he's saying here that he's come in a, in a large way to reverse the curse. Everywhere yeah. the effect the um, the fall of man has affected people, he has come to set them free. He's going to do yeah. it with his public ministry, and he's going to do it with the death mm-hmm. on the cross. He's going to yeah, destroy the works of of the devil. And it's really important to note that everywhere that Jesus shed blood, an atonement and a provision was made. He actually shed blood in seven places. So, you know, in terms of, in terms of the provision. So when you you go into the garden of Gethsemane, where he's going into intercession, it says sweat, like great drops of blood began to pour forth out of his brow. And if you look at the context, he's praying for, it says he was in anguish of soul and he was in, he was actually yielding his will. So he was making an atonement. He was actually making a provision for the healing of our emotions and the restoring of our wills. The next place that the blood was shed, Alan, was when they were striking him in the face and plucking Mm. out his beard. And as they're striking him, they're saying, prophesy, son of man. They're Mm. mocking his prophetic ministry. So as that blood is coming forth, it's actually making a provision for the spiritual gifts, particularly when they're plucking out his beard. If you go to Psalm 133, it actually says the anointing actually came off the beard of Aaron and Aaron Mm. was the the mouthpiece of Moses. So he's Mm. making a provision for the utterance gifts. And then out of that place, what's the next thing that happens? They begin to put a crown of thorns on him. It's the next provision being made. Those thorns had poison in them so that when it was pushed down upon his head, it was almost like a tormenting feeling. So the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's Isaiah 53. So he's making a provision for the thought life of the believer, but also that we would be free of demonic torments. Mm -hmm. Pierced through the hand so that we might have what? Clean hands and a pure heart to be able to actually have righteous works in front of him the next place is his feet which is what so we can have a pure walk before god and then the last Mm. place that the blood was shed which most people miss was actually in his side when the Mm. spear was actually put in after he passed away that provision was so that we could be joint heirs with christ but that was also the provision for us to be the bride because when the first adam fell asleep the first eve was taken from his side when the last adam falls asleep the last Eve, us, the bride of Christ, emerges from his side. That's so all of right these <laughs> all of these all of these provisions, right, are made in the blood. Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. Actually, one place that I missed was the striping in his back, which mm-hmm. was actually the provision for physical healing. And mm-hmm. so if this is what he came to do, I mean, if you look at how much time he spent, like you said, the biblical the biblical virtue. Look, his opening of the blind eyes was the was a sign of Messiah. If you go throughout mm-hmm. all of the Old Testament, there was resurrections from the dead. There was barren wounds being opened. Leprosy was cleansed. But there was two particular miracles that you did not see in the Old Testament that were signs of him as Messiah. 
that was deaf ears and blind eyes being opened. Mm. Only the Messiah could perform these miracles. Mm. So I, it's one of those things where it's like, look, you know, the, the scriptural basis, Jesus came, what, to destroy the works of the enemy to do good and destroy the works of the enemy acts 10 31 right was anointed to destroy the works of the devil right and do good and he demonstrated that authority i mean we alan we overlook some of these things you go to mark mm-hmm. chapter one right peter's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever right and mm-hmm. all of capernaum came out right well here's the thing literally all of capernaum came to the door and they brought the demon possessed and those needing miracles but you know what most people miss? That village was 1,200 people large. Mm. And 1,200 people are at the door. Now, let's say, mm-hmm. okay, let's say conservatively, 40% of people needed a miracle. Well, you're looking at four to 500 miracles in one sentence of scripture that Jesus yeah. performed. That's pretty amazing. Like the, 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 the necessity of what you're bringing forth with that mandate from Isaiah, mm-hmm. Isaiah 61 that gets read in the temple in Luke 4, is so powerful yeah because for me my entry point into the kingdom right i mean i had multiple there's lots more to the mm-hmm. story i was i was not well i was born into a humidity crib i had jaundice when i was a baby um mm-hmm. if i didn't come out by the fourth afternoon i was going to have serious health complications my grandmother's church prayed for me i came out the fourth day um i gave my first word of knowledge at mm-hmm. um i gave i saw my first miracle when i was two years old nine months my mother was in bed with a migraine headache and I walked in and laid my hands on her head and said, praise the Lord. And she sat up and I said, praise, no, no, sorry, I said, praise the Lord. The migraine completely left and then said, praise the Lord. And she sat up, gave my first word of knowledge when I was three. My mother was driving to a, um, she was okay. driving to a small house group full of former witches and the spirit of fear was just all over her. And I'm on the booster seat as a three-year-old, put my hand on her leg and said, fear not mom. And the spirit of fear broke and left the car. Wow. Angel came into my bedroom when I was three, told me the gospel. I went in and preached the gospel to my mother at the age of three. And so my whole entry point into the kingdom is through the supernatural. I mean, I was delivered mm-hmm. from drug addiction and mental illness. So I had great, you know, we talked about if we're going to expand the kingdom, it's got to be with power. It's got, yeah. And it's got to be scriptural. Well, Paul put a, a priority in power. You know, he said, when I mm. came to you, I didn't come to you with superiority of speech, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So when yeah. I when you start realizing this, you read through scripture and you you see the priority that the early church, that Paul mm. and that Jesus had on demonstrating the power of God. A powerless we're not meant to live a powerless Christianity. Some people will say, okay, well that 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 passage for Jesus was just about Jesus's ministry, but if you look at no. its scripture. Um, uh, let's go to Matthew nine thirty five through ten eight, um, and this really hit me one day. Let me find that here. Um, so you have Jesus in um, in Matthew nine thirty six. Uh, he's he's ministering. He um, thirty five. He's going to all the villages. He's teaching the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind mm-hmm. of disease and sickness. Okay. And then it says in 36, and seeing the people, he felt compassion on them, for they were distressed and uh, dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And some of the translations say vexed. There, mm. it's uh, when you look at the language in the Greek, it is it's almost like he's saying they're harassed by the enemy. The mm-hmm. language is very similar to some of the language that he uses when he's talking about demonized people. But it's it's like the, he's like saying the enemy is picking on them. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, he says to his disciples, then the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest send out workers. Yeah. Okay. So um, he he has compassion, and what's his answer to that compassion? That the people are harassed. It's we need. I, I can't just do this on my own. We need we need workers. So he That's talks so to his man. twelve, and then sometimes people just cut that passage off there because there's a chapter break. And they and they go okay well we're supposed to go out and 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 uh, give people the information of the gospel. Well, that's it's much more than that. Jesus is not just saying that. If you look at ten, the very next verse, after he says, "Pray that the Lord sends out workers into the harvest," he kind of says to his disciples, "You're it." And he summoned the yeah. twelve to himself, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and sickness. Mm. And then he sends out the twelve. In, in groups of yeah. two to minister. Hmm. Okay, so you, you see a clear, um, he, Jesus is going about his ministry, demonstrating the, the power, breaking the, 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 the any, things of the enemy off of people, whether it's sickness, hmm. whether it's demonization, he's breaking it off through teaching hmm. and proclaiming hmm. the good news and truth of the kingdom. He's breaking it off through demonstration of the power of God. Uh, demons are, are forced to leave. And people's uh, where sickness came into the world through sin, he's reversing that, and he's praying yeah. for the sick. and And it's not just about de- some people think it's just uh, the 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 works of the kingdom are just about demonstrating um, who Jesus is and proving that they're missing a whole part if if they're, if that's all they're thinking. That's true, mm-hmm. but they need to catch the compassion that's in this verse. The compassion of yeah. God is, I can't leave man like this. I can't yeah I can't leave man vexed and harassed by the enemy. I'm I'm delivering them and it's, I I need workers. I need other people who do this. So some people said, well that was just just what Jesus you know did and what the apostles did. Well, if you go further, I'm going to go back to my um my notes here. Jesus also gave it away to the 72. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know what I did. Oh, I'm going to look at my notes here in my hand. Okay. But so, it's, um, it's interesting, Alan, yeah. Alan, that most people miss this one key, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about, we'll just go do the stuff, right? You and I, we, we want to talk about mm-hmm. what are effective prayer ministry trips? How do we train ourselves? How do we do this effectively? And most people miss this key, right? Mm-hmm. Up, This is Matthew 10. Yeah. This is about a year and a half into the disciples being with Jesus. Yeah. And we have no record of them praying for the sick yet. Yeah. None. We have no record of them doing any ministry. They, for a year and a half, Learned. have watched. Well, they've, they've watched. The, the, the first year was actually, it's actually in the Gospel mm. of John. It's actually the Judean ministry of mm. Jesus, you know, the wedding at Cana before, because um, most of the Synoptic Gospels actually take place after the arrest of John, the, the commencement mm-hmm. of the ministry. But they've spent a year and a half with him, and they've watched him for the last six months at least, mm-hmm. healing the sick, casting out demons. They have not only heard the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed, but they've watched the way that Jesus delivered it. Yeah, And that's, I think, one of the biggest keys. He didn't just go, cool, you guys have been with me for like three seconds. Awesome, now go pray for the sick. No, there was... There was a process of being with him, mm. watching how he did what he did and connecting it to the message of the kingdom 
so that when they went, they went with compassion, they went with right motive, but mm-hmm. they also saw it demonstrated. They weren't trying to, you know, they're not trying to figure it out as they're going along. Like, what does he mean, mm-hmm. heal the sick? Like, they've seen this take place time and time and time again. Yeah. I remember Jack Little telling me that uh, in discipling people effectively in kingdom stuff, that it took them a year to a year and a half before mm-hmm. they really could grasp and produce and become effective, and then they were ready to send wow. out. So sometimes that's Funny a that, good, hey. good length, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, he he Jesus Jesus demonstrates the ministry. Then he picks mm-hmm. the twelve. Then he sends out the seventy-two in Matthew twenty-eight and in Mark sixteen. That's the Great Commission. Sorry, Luke ten one through twelve is sending out of the seventy-two. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Matthew four, if you're following along and taking notes, anybody. Matthew four eighteen through twenty-one is Jesus's ministry. Matthew 9, 35 through 10, 8 is sending out the workers and, and sending out of the 12. Luke 10, 1 through 21 is sending out of the 72. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Mark 16, 15 through 19, that's the Great Commission. So he sends out 12, then he sends out 72 others. And then if you look at the Great Commission, he says, go, therefore, um, and teach them all, right? Go. So there's like three, three or four different things in there. Um, I'd have to mm-hmm. look it up. Let me see if mm-hmm. I can find that there. Well, and what you say something smart while I'm, <laughs> well, while it's, I'm typing you know, in it just to make sure I have what, it all. It's, it's interesting because people, you know, teaching them what I have taught you and lo, I'll be with you always till the end of the age. So the commission wasn't just for the disciples as some people try to pick up, you know, the cessationists were like, well, it was just a, the power gifts were just a shot in the arm for the early church. No, no, no. They were instructed to make disciples of nations and teach them, instruct yeah. them everything that they had been instructed. And so that, that didn't have yeah. a, a time frame on, oh, just the first generation. No, no, no. This was, this is for us. Yeah. Um, so he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go there for mm-hmm. make disciples. In other words, a disciple becomes like his master, right? So mm-hmm. uh, of all nations, baptizing in the name of the... So you teach, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, teach them to, serve, to observe all that I commanded you. And people miss that. It says all. And part of what he commanded them to do was bring the kingdom through demonstrations mm-hmm. of power. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Yeah. And so that's a command for the whole church. It says these 100%. signs will follow those that believe in Mark, right? Mm-hmm. So this is not just this is not an arbitrary ministry that you get to pick or choose. If yeah. you're if you're signed up to be a Christian, in my opinion, you should be signed up to bring them to set people free. That's mm-hmm. what the the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the kingdom is about: setting people free. It's mm-hmm. about bringing the uh, the gospel of the kingdom to them, so they are born again. So there, there's a, re, a spiritual rebirth, and it's about 100%. breaking the things that are not God off of them. Sickness yeah. is not God. Mm-hmm. Harassment from the enemy, mental illness, all those things, mm-hmm. harassment from demons is not, it's not God's heart. He doesn't mm-hmm. want people to live that way. Now, yeah. yeah, we live in a fallen world, but we're called to bring the kingdom. So yeah. it's not arbitrary. I His mean, ministry is not arbitrary. Well, I mean, if you go to First John chapter two, verse six, mm-hmm. it says, "If we abide in Him, we ought to walk as He walked." Ooh, good. 
and and that that's I mean that's that's a that's a foundational verse for me because I it, it goes off in so many different directions mm-hmm. whether it's the character of Christ um, whether it's Philippians chapter two where it says that he made himself of no reputation emptied himself of his own ability renown and glory and and was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit but if we are going to be called as he is Christians Christians little Christs we're going to need to walk as he walked and he. The, the power was so it wasn't like the optional extra package on buying a car like getting the nice rims and you know the upgrades and the leather seats like jesus actually said if i don't do the works of the father essentially then don't believe me yeah if you don't believe my words then believe the works that i do and and that it was an all-encompassing term including the work of salvation but deliverance free freedom healing restoration all of those things he was he was basically hanging his credibility on the miracles that he was performing yeah in part you know yes obviously he was pointing towards the the work of salvation which i believe is like daniel 9 24 um the redemption and restoration of all things but power was so non-negotiable to jesus i mean if you remove all the verses of the miracles you're not going to be left with a whole lot Mm -hmm. that's true he he when, he, when, uh, he demonstrated it constantly. When John the Baptist, uh, he I think he sent some people. I don't know. If, I think he sent some people instead of going himself, and said, uh-huh. "Are you really the Messiah?" Because he was starting to question it. And Jesus uh-huh. said, "Go back and tell them that uh-huh. there are people, blind people are being healed, and miracles are happening." Uh-huh. You know, and the good news is being preached to the, the poor. Good news I is mean, being preached. John John was a, a student of Isaiah, and the beautiful uh-huh. thing is Jesus responded to John in the language of Isaiah. Yeah. so that he would realize no you didn't miss it yeah, i mean and good. you bring it's the interesting thing alan mm-hmm. that, that john the baptist represents here because jesus says and blessed is the man who doesn't take offense on account of me mm-hmm. right see john knew the prophetic calling of the messiah he knew who the messiah was called to be he even declared behold the lamb of god yeah. but what tripped up john was the ways of god not the will of god mm-hmm. because he didn't expect that his journey would end up in jail yeah. And so I just love Jesus's heart, even to his forerunner, the greatest of all New Testament prophets of born of woman, there is no one greater. And look at the heart of Jesus towards his cousin hmm. in restoring his confidence and his hope, even in his prison cell. The scripture you shared about being like him is just really ministering to me right now because we're supposed to be like him and not just in, hmm. in we're talking about uh, praying for people and seeing things happen, not just in that, but hmm. uh, in, in meekness. Yeah. In serving, in yeah. humility, in every way we're supposed to be like him. So mm-hmm. we, you can't just chop out the character stuff and say we're going to, like everybody knows that's, that's in, the, in the probably Christianity, some of the people who have fallen recently, mm-hmm. they were missing a huge chunk of things, if they, even, if, even if they performed miracles and they didn't have the character. But we also know yeah. huge chunks of the church who just preach the character and live mm-hmm. the character, but they lack power. Yeah. And I believe we're supposed to combine those two things, the wisdom, the words and the works. Okay. We've got yeah. to have the words and the wisdom and the works, the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Oh, love that. You know, love got to have that. both. That's, that's Isaiah 11 verse two, mm-hmm. where it says the spirit of counsel and might, that yeah. it was the power and the wisdom together. Mm-hmm. That actually is one of the great causes of the release of the miraculous. This is the end of part one, prayer ministry tips, how to pray for people effectively in a ministry setting with Alan Garrett and Daniel Burton. 
please feel free to share and like on social media and continue on to part two.